All right, welcome, guys. Um, I titled this, All of You Can Prove That Christ Is In You, and I'll show you some places in Scripture. This probably goes down as one of the things as well that uh, healing the book for you. And uh, as I go th through this, I think you realize that um, you know, the Scriptures say the letter of the law kills the spirit, or what's the meaning behind it, gives life. And if you read it just as the letter or literalness, you're going to not get it right, more than likely, because it's going to bring death. <clears throat> and I'll show you that. And uh, But when you really dig into what the spirit is actually saying behind it, it's actually this beautiful thing. It's life-giving in all of it. And I'll show you that. And so here's what I would, I would love you to do, um, is uh, you can take any desire and... Um, the whole point of this is to prove that Christ is in you. Christ is the anointing of God. And the whole thing is you can prove it. And so you can take any desire, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's uh, relational, anything. And, uh, you know, Joe Dispenza and the quantum, the guys that are doing this, they're really just verifying scripture in my opinion, but they're saying, if you have a clear goal or an intention, what do you desire? Um, and the elevated emotion is if it's already done, it'll become, you'll take it from the spiritual world, the potential into the physical world. And so you can take anything. I wanted to share this testimony with you and uh, Don Epting, thanks for sending your book. My wife just had it here and it reminded me of this testimony. She had used uh, a lot of the information that we share here in these services and written a book. Um, and she's talking about <clears throat> Lindsay Schuler, this cheerleader uh, was a gymnast who was a quadriplegic. And so I want to you can go find this if you just Googled cheerleader was quadriplegic after 2016 gymnastics accident. Now she's walking. And this is from USA Today Sports. And there's several out there, but uh, it just reminded me of this. And so anyway, to give the backstory, this is the, the proof of she proved Christ was in her. And there's no limit to God. There's no limit to Christ. And I think most people are so entrained by reading scripture with a separation mindset, with a guilt mindset. I know. Um, you know, when you, when you read Strong's and when it went from Aramaic and Hebrew to Greek to Latin, and then finally the English, we've almost lost the entire meaning of most of it. And so, but it really does say, hey, prove that Christ is in you to prove that you're in faith. And so anyway, she, she was doing a backflip and didn't rotate far enough and landed uh, right on her head. And, and uh, so then I'll pick up the story here. So she says, I remember lying on the floor not being able to move <clears throat> anything from her neck down, not her pinky finger, not her big toe, nothing. A teammate's mom, who was a nurse, ran to Schuler's side. She kept asking me, can you feel this? Can you feel this? Said Schuler. I was like, no, I can't feel anything. But ask me a math problem because my brain works fine. And your mind, guys, is the holiest of holies. This is where you meet face to face with God. And so remember, all these stories in scripture are about physical covenant to prove that God's with you, as well as spiritual covenant, the holiest of holies, to prove that God's with you forever. And this covenant lasts forever. The old covenant fades away. And so it says, at that moment, lying on the gym floor, Schuler did something remarkable. And I, I would say it's not remarkable. She just proved that God was in her. We should all be able to do this, in my opinion. She became thankful for what she had. Gratitude is key here, guys. She started to be grateful for what she already had. Most people are going, oh, I don't see the manifestation yet, or I prayed last night and it didn't work. How many times have you heard that? Sweetie? I did everything you said it didn't work. And when you do it, guys, it's, it's convincing your heart that you already have it. 
So you don't care what it looks like in the physical. You already know you have it. And so when you know that Christ is in you, and if you've presented it before Christ, you have it. So she became grateful for what she had. And you can look at any dispenser, any of the quantum guys, they go gratitude, the attitude of joy, gratefulness is the place where you effortlessly receive everything. And so if you have a hard time, um, I would just do this. Is uh, I've shared this with quite a few people over the last month or so. Write down 10 things every morning that you're grateful for. And to me, it's, it's so simple, guys. It's like, you can, it can be anything to get into this attitude of gratitude. And so for me, I, I love to go, man, I love the smell of coffee. I love my girlfriend a little, right? That's my wife, by the way, if you don't know. What <laughs> they get confused. So she, that's my wife. And so uh, anyway, I go, oh, God, it feels so great to be alive. It feels so grateful that I have a cup of coffee. I'm so grateful that I can smell my coffee. So grateful that the sun came up today. That's the attitude where you just effortless receive, guys. So here's what's really wild. So there she's laying on the floor. She's got, uh, she's paralyzed from the, the, the neck down. Instead of panicking, freaking out. Oh my God, get a prayer team. Um, emergency prayer. She goes, I started to feel gratefulness for what I had. So she started visualizing, this is key, what it felt like to move. She's got the clear intention. She's got a goal. Hey, I want to move. And the feeling as if she was actually moving. So she, in her mind, she's feeling herself move. She said, I, I remembered what it felt like to move, what it felt like to walk, flip, and twist. So imagine her laying there. And in her mind, the holiest of holies where God dwells, she's feeling, she's watching herself flip, twist. She's actually performing it. And she's feeling what it would feel like in her mind. In my mind, she said, I could always still feel. Now, fast forward. So she, she goes, um, her uh, neurosurgeon, this doctor says, you know what? This is the, the most horrific kind of spinal injury cord there is. We start preparing everybody for a life of, hey, you know what? You might get some feeling back. You might be able to raise your arm. You might be able to move your toe. This is what this is. So the Mayo Clinic defines quadriplegia as paralysis below the neck, including both the arms. And so she's her sir. Uh, what has happened with Schuler, her neurosurgeon, Dr. Rogers says, is not even remotely expected. She's proving God's in her. So her therapist goes, what do you want? She goes, well, prom is in about three weeks. I want to walk to prom. This is so cool. Remember, she can't feel her toes. She can't feel her fingers. She's not moving anything. And she goes, I'm grateful for what I have. And I think that if you ask me what I want, I want to walk to prom in three weeks. And my therapist was like, okay. And she just looked away and started testing my muscles. But I'm telling you, Sula said, I know that's going to happen. So fast forward, she saw what she wanted. She felt as if it was real. And then they, they conclude in the story. Uh, uh, she says, the week before prom, Schuler took her first steps with a walker. At prom, she spent most of the night sitting, but she did take a few steps as her therapist held her tightly. Her recovery was still in critical stages because they didn't want to take any chances. But she had reached her goal. Not long after graduation, she walked across the stage using canes and received a diploma to a standing ovation. That's pretty cool. Now, is this scriptural? Absolutely. So first thing I want to do is go to 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Here. And so, and then I'll show you, uh, in my opinion, completely mistranslation in English of what it actually says. So <clears throat> here's 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and it says, examine or test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. So here's how you test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. And King James says, know ye not that Jesus Christ is in you. In this translation, it's Berean Study Bible says, can't you see for yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? Now, to me, 
The confession of faith is not anything what we've been taught. It's not, it's not when you're 13 and you, 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 you know the Nicene Creed or you quote some creed. How does that test your faith? Knowing, don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? <clears throat> I would say most Christians, no, they have no concept of that. They would profess it. They would say, oh, yeah, I accepted Christ when I was this, so I'm going to heaven. That is not confession of faith. Confession of faith is this. I'm laying on the ground. I'm walk I can't move anything, but I will walk to prom in three weeks. That is a confession of faith. She's proving that Jesus Christ is in you. She has a goal. She has a, a, a desire. And she's in her mind feeling as if it's real. That is the confession of faith, as I'll show you. And you can test and prove to yourself that Jesus Christ is in you. Now, let's go to Matthew 16. And I'm just going to take some time here, guys. And maybe, Barb, you can make sure I just don't go too long. Because there's so much meat in this, guys. I almost wanted to break it up in two. But I'll try to be fast. And so let me read the first sentence in English. And then we'll clean this up for you. Because we were taught that the Pharisees and Sadducees are something bad. But I think it's saying the same thing as 2 Corinthians 13. It says this. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came or came near. It comes from one place to another. If you go look it up. And they tested if Yahweh is salvation, Jesus. They tested I am is the salvation of God. What you see within and what you experience within is salvation. They tested Jesus is what it says. And they <clears throat> asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, sign is really interesting. This is why I wanted to... Uh, title the service like this. So it says this, it says, um, a mark, a token. And it's really interesting. It's the power of God in man that in, in, uh, in covenant in two things together is really a sign in Hebrew, but it talks about the miraculous, um, authentication of miracle here, here was, sorry, I went too far. A typically miraculous emphasizes the end purpose. What's the end purpose? What you want exalts the one giving authenticates the Lord in his external purpose by doing what mere men cannot take a replicator, take credit for. This is testing that Jesus Christ is in you. The anointing of God is in you. All right. But what I want to do, first of all, we were taught that Pharisees and Sadducees are wrong, but let's look at this. Uh, I just want to show you a couple of things. If we click on this of Hebrew origins, let's click on it. What does it say? What is a Pharisee? A separatist, purist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Hebrew origin, Karash. So let's look at what that says. To make distinct or a declaration, to scatter like a seed. All right, now we're starting to get somewhere because Jesus said, you know what? If you don't understand the parable of the sower to scatter seed in the heart and it grows with no effort of your own, you're not going to understand anything I say. Well, I would say most people interpret Matthew 16, not in the context of the parable of the sower, where there's a physical seed scattered or cast from a man and there's a spiritual seed in the mind cast from it. So they create all kinds of crazy things. But parash, it's pay or the mouth or the opening of a man's head that carries the shin of God, the Yeshua of God, the fire of God, the power of God to burn up what's currently there and recreate the new life. So parash, Pharisee, is to declare a declaration of the mind. It says the, from the opening of the mind is the shin of God. So you do something to hear just like the gymnast. And she said, you know what? In three weeks, I will walk to prom. That's a parash. Now let's go see what Sadducee is. <clears throat> All right. So Sadducee, they give you the garbage, you know, member of Jewish religious sect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then let's go to what it, the Hebrew origin, probably of Hebrew origin. 
Meaning that we really don't know what this is. We made it up, guys. Strong's <laughs> probably is this. Well, we know what Zedek is, guys. The same as Zedek. So, oh, the name of several Israelites. Come on, guys. If you take it, you're going to miss it completely. Zedek is the word righteousness, where we get Melchizedek. Melchi is King Zedek. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king that's from the beginning and it never changes. This is the power of God, the kingship within you that never changes. So what is it? It's righteousness. It's right weights if we go look at it. What is right, just, normal, righteous? Justness of weights and measures, meaning Melchizedek means you are equal weight with God. Kavot. I'm not going to get into all that, but that's what it means. It's like you carry the glory and weight of God. You have equal weight with God. Now let's go back to this. This first sentence, and I think it'll make sense. Then a declaration with the mind of man that carries Yeshua, the shin of God, is a declaration that carries the weight of God. And it will test that Jesus Christ, that Yahweh is salvation, and it'll show them a miraculous sign that Jesus Christ is in them. All right. That's what verse one says. But he replied, when evening comes, the weather will be fair. The sky is red in the morning. Till today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky. But know ye not the miraculous signs of the times? It's the same word signs there. A wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign, but none will be given to it to the sign of Jonah. Uh-oh, what's this mean? So let's first cover wicked and adulterous generation. Wicked means paneros. It means full of labor, meaning I'm going to do everything by my own labor. I'm not going to do it by the grace of God. And adulterous means to worship any God except the true God. But what is the true God? That's what I shared in you last week. The true God that's within you, Jesus Christ within you, is I am. That's the Lord. That's the Father. That's the potter. What is the potter? It's your imagination is what it says. What you do in the holiest of holies is the Lord, is the Father of all creation. Very interesting. So they're worshiping all kinds of gods outside of themselves, which I would say most Christianity still does today. So wicked and adulterous gender. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they've missed God. So demands a sign, but none will be given except a sign of Jonah. Well, now think about this. If you were just thinking and you're taking this literally, what's he doing? A Pharisee, Sadducee, signs, Jonah? Well, let's talk about the sign of Jonah. If we go remember the, the story, Jonah, and uh, I pulled that up. I just wanted to show you what it means in Hebrew. Uh, here it is. No, that's Lechayim. That's bread. We'll talk about that in a second. So Jonah. Now, it's interesting. It's the same word as dove. So we see that with Jesus comes out, you know, the physical birth with John the Baptist, and he comes out of the, the water when he crosses over the River Jordan. And what happens? The dove goes on him. He goes out to the womb of God, 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is always the womb. Where there, it, it's the wilderness, it's the secret place. There's nobody there and there's no flood. This is so he's talking about a, a spiritual birth within the womb of the mind. All right. So Jonah, we have this story. And here's it's the Hebrew letters Yod, which is the finished work or strength of God of man, Vav. Noon is a seed at 50, the, the Pentecostal seed, the 50 seed. And hey is the grace of God, it's the creative ability of God to see what to do what you see within. So if you take Jonah, he goes. This is how you can prove that God is in you. Nothing will be given to you except the sign of God, you unbelieving generation. Meaning that you can behold something, that's hay. The noon is, that is the seed in man, which carries the strength of God is Jonah. So you remember the story of Jonah. Jonah goes down into the, the great belly of the fish in the sea. 
Well, the belly of the fish is the womb, guys. And the seed is the seed that impregnates man. And C is yam. It's the yam men. It's yad mem. C is yad is the finished work of God, the strength of God, and mem is the womb. And then it says, and the great belly of the fish, that seed planted in you, it's an idea of an impregnation, guys, a, phys- a spiritual impregnation. It says, then the great belly of the fish vomits her out. And Barb and I were talking about this. Thank God she didn't deal with this much because we knew that we the spiritual controls over the physical. But what is a sign of pregnancy to most women? In the morning, they have morning sickness, then they vomit. This is all symbolism, guys, of a pregnancy just took place here with Jonah. This is to prove to you that God is within you. All right. So we'll keep going. So that's the sign. All right. Let's go back to Matthew 16. <clears throat> then he left and went away. There's, some, there's so much in there, too, but I don't have time to go through that little verse right there. It says, then they crossed to the other side. So we so always see this crossing of the other side um, where it's Passover, right? They cross the other side. You see them cross over the Jordan. And that was the idea of going from a physical covenant to the spiritual covenant or from one state to another state. From one point in your life to another point in your life is the crosser over. So they went on and crossed over to the other side. And side's a whole word to you that I wish I could get into. And it says, the disciples forgot to take bread. Now, if you take forget, it just means, if you read this, it says, forget, neglect, or if they've lost out of mind to take, laban, it's almost like lambano, aggressively lay hold of bread. So it says, they, in their mind, they did not lay hold of bread. Now, bread, is really interesting. Bread in Hebrew is lechayim. It's lamed, chet, mem. So lamed is the staff or the rod of a man. Mem is the womb. And chet is the inner chamber. So this is spiritual bread. This is spiritual rising within you. This isn't the leavened bread of the woman's, the, the physical covenant, which I've told you where it was unleavened. And then they came in with the seed of God. And all of a sudden, guess what? The bread grew and her belly grew. That was the leavened bread. It was talking about a physical covenant. Remember, guys, all those covenant, all those temple things that that you take as real, the scriptures say, this is not real, (laughs) Hebrews. They were stories of you about faith. This is all about faith. And then even those temple stories where the priest would go in and he'd do his thing and the leavened bread and the unleavened bread, it was all about you because it says all that temple in the new covenant interpretation is you. So all those stories are about the, the unleavened bread and the leavened bread of physical covenant, also the woman bread leavens. This guy's nothing leavens physically we, you can see in your mind. It's unleavened bread. It's the, it's the pregnancy and the, the rising of life of dough within you that ultimately becomes. So it's intimacy, the rod of man and the mem of the woman in you, the inner chamber. So that's bread. That's food. When Jesus talks about, I have food you know not of. Because it's in the hidden place. It's the place where you do, where you pray, where you meditate, things like that. All right. Let's get back to this. This is making sense, sweetie? Yes. Okay. All right. Some of you guys are like, what is going on? But think about if you were just talking, like, we take this as little, and they're talking about Jonah, uh, a, a dude gets swallowed up by the great belly of the whale in the sea. And now we're talking about bread. And Jesus says, watch out. <laughs> this, to me, any sane person should go. This is not literal. This is all symbolism because what is none of this makes sense if we take it. What are all these jumping around? And so they crossed to the other side, meaning we went from physical covenant to spiritual covenant, and they didn't know how to lay hold of the bread within them. So watch out. So here, here's where we see fear. Okay. But 
when you go look at it, even in Strong's, it says stare at. That sounds like meditate to me. Stare at, discern clearly, attend to. So this is discern clearly, behold something, stare at. Jesus told them, beware. It sounds like you're supposed to be scared again. But let's look at beware. It almost has the same concept. It's really fascinating. Pros, which is face-to-face intimacy, echo. Hold in your mind, pay attention to, be cautious about, apply oneself to or adhere. So the first definition is pros echo. Face-to-face, hold your mind towards something. Right here, guys. So here's what he's saying. Behold, clearly discern. Pros echo, where you're face-to-face with God is pros, is right in here. The leaven, the rising up for the fertilization, the, the internal fertilization of parash. What you declare within, which is parash, carries zedek, the weight of God. So he's telling them, guys, come on. We're talking about spiritual bread that all of you can use anytime. All right. So then they keep going. They discuss this among themselves and conclude, this is because we not bring any bread. Wherever the conversation, Jesus said, ye of little faith. Didn't he say that in, in 2 Corinthians 13, 2? He goes, here is the test to prove that you're in faith. You can prove me that I'm in you. This isn't some theological debate you have to have with anybody, guys. Anybody can do this, which is why I think it's fascinating that, that you can take anybody in every religion that have, that have gotten a hold of the kingdom of God like this, and they can perform these miracles. And almost the one, pe- the one group of people who can't are religious Christians because they've missed the point of this whole thing. So anyway, it says, ye of little faith. Why are you debating amongst yourselves that you don't have bread? He's going, don't you get it? I'm not talking about literal bread. I'm talking about feeding on something within. Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 how many baskets full you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 how many basketfuls you gathered? All right, I'm not going to go into all those, but I'll, I'll tell you what they mean. All right, so if you know the story, um, the seven loaves, the five loaves fed 5,000, the seven loaves fed 4,000. Five loaves. If you remember the story, they go, hey, does anybody have anything in a basket? So this is talking about within you, the inner chamber, guys. It says, I've got two fish and five loaves. And it fed 5,000. It didn't feed 5,123. It didn't feed 4,212. Why is it always like even 5,000, 4,000? Do you really think it meant a literal 5,000, 4,000? I would say absolutely not. The numbers all mean something to the writers. It says, remember the five loaves. And in that miracle story, you see that there were two loaves or two fish. Fish is noon. The spiritual seed in two. Two is bet, the house. Remember, you can plant the seed in your house at any time and it'll feed 5,000. Five is the grace of God or what you behold within will feed you. Thousand. So there's a lot of meaning at thousand. Thousand is the Hebrew letter one. And into Hebrew, it was the infinite number. I Meaning, if you said a thousand years like a thousand, a thousand is like a day is like a thousand years. Years, you're saying this: a day is like the most infinite number, and a, the infinite number is like a day. Meaning, there's no time in God. So anyway, thousand was the largest number. So the seed, the noon within the the fish, the impregnation of the the fish within the deep of you, the sea of you, the womb of you impregnates and it and it creates a loaf lachayim the rod of man and the womb of the the 
uh, the womb within you, the male female part of every one of us that we can create anything we desire from within. Feeds 5,000. Thousand, the grace of God feeds five, that's five, thousand, aleph, the first letter. It's the large, the most infinite number in Hebrew. And it's aleph is oneness with God. So here's what he's saying. You have within you, you can plant any seed within you, and it'll produce. And this grace of God in the oneness of God is in everybody, the largest number. It feeds the entire people. That's thousand, five thousand. And how many basketfuls did you gather? Now, you remember the stories? Let's go back here just to show you. So they go out, they collected them. I'm just reading out the John 6, the feeding of the 5,000 here. John 6, 13. They collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves they left over by those who had eaten. All right. Do you remember what 12 is? This isn't a little 12 baskets. This isn't 12 guys running around the age of this is not little. 12 baskets. Anybody remember? You know what remember what 12 is? Sweet? Probably not, but it's all right. If I click on it, it says duo deco, two in the 10. <laughs> it means you finished the work. So in physical covenant, it's finished. Something came out of the man. It finished. Now there's a rest, right? So it says duo deco, used with literal figures of meaning in scripture, double entendre. Double entendre, guys, if you go look at it, it says it's so sexually explicit, a double meaning that they spoke in double entendre. Like, you get what I'm saying, right, guys? So here's what he's saying. When you finish the work inside the duo deco, it'll feed everybody and all humanity. The thousand are one with God and have the grace of God. That's, that's the 12. Anyway, let's keep reading because <laughs> it's all the same story in here, guys. So. And then it says, do you not remember the seven loaves? Feeds the 4,000. Weird, right? Like five loaves, 5,000, four, 4,000. Again, why wasn't it 4,112? Have you ever had the multitude of people? Oh, it's exactly 5,000 or it's exactly 4,000. No, guys, come on. Use your head. You should, that should right there go ding, ding, ding. He's not talking about a literal number here. So what's the seven feeds the four? All right, seven. If you go look Hebrew letters, Zion. It's the sword, the, the crowned man. It's the man who, there's a glistening on his head. And let's talk about the spiritual covenant and the physical covenant again. So the sword of man, it goes within itself. If you go look at the scriptures, always turn within yourself, finish the work inside. The seven loaves feeds the 4,000. Four is the Hebrew letter, delet. It means to enter in. So it says this, enter into the completed life of God, and it'll feed the seven loaves, the the that every man's completing Christ, which is seven, is the entrance to every man, the thousand, and oneness with God. And how it comes, how many basketfuls were gathered, number the 12. This is talking about duo deco, the 12 baskets. So this was talking about the finished work within the house. Two is house, bet. Ten is yod, the strength of God. You finished the work, which is in the seed. Do you not understand what I'm telling you about this? No, if you turn on the TV tomorrow, get your popcorn out because they don't know what they're saying. It'll be folly when they're trying to go. I would just do this. Anytime some pastor or whatever goes, the Bible clearly says, get your popcorn. That's, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I just saw Sometimes I, I do. I just look to see what's going on out there. And I, this famous pastor in, in Louisiana said, Jesus is coming back faster than you know. And I'm not going to name names, but it rhymes with messy in Louisiana. So anyway, 
I'm going, well, Messi, you've been wrong for 2,000 years. You're probably going to be wrong for another 2,000 years. He's been faster than you know. I hope so, because it's taken 2,000 years that you, you guys have been wrong. Maybe it'll come in the next 2,000 years. It'll never come, because that's not what it's talking about. But anyway, I digress. Do you not understand what I'm telling you about bread? He's going, I'm not talking about eating physical bread, guys. I'm talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Again, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He's not warning you, which we were taught. Beware. He's saying, hold in your mind, and it'll leaven, it'll fertilize the parash of righteousness, the declare, the equal weight of God. What you declare within your mind, hold this in your mind, and it'll rise. And what you hold in your mind, guys, the declaration within, carries the weight of God, sedek, righteousness. Then they understood he was not telling them, beware of the leavens of the leaven used in bread, physical bread, he was teaching the, the parash of righteousness. The declaration within carries the weight of God. You guys get this? All right, we'll finish this up pretty quick. I almost have to laugh because I just look at this. I've made the mistake of, of listening to guys before I've actually read it in scripture. And I go, this isn't anything what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about, to be honest with you. Like I said, to me, it's like humorous. I get popcorn out now. So, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Jesus, all right, so salvation drew near, or it's here. Salvation drew near to the, and received the part, the, the region, or the portion of Caesarea Philippi. How do you receive your portion? Remember Jesus talking about, hey, hey, Peter, 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 unless you let me serve you, you can't share in my part. So he's saying the region of Caesarea Philippi. Now, if you just think it's, let's look at Caesarea. Um, Two cities in Palestine. I don't think he's talking about two cities in Palestine, guys. Because if you go look at it, and I'm not going to get into all this, but Caesarea, uh, if you go into Encyclopedia Biblica, you can find one online for free, guys. And you'll get this idea of Caesarea, where it should tell you right here that you get all the religious teachings, da, da, da. Yeah, these two cities. Of the, and something really interesting happens about right here. A village of about 150 or about 50, some 40. Why is this in bold? Out of all of this, it's this is in bold. Again, 40 is the womb of God, guys. It's the womb of God. So he's talking about salvation drew near in the womb of God. Caesarea, right? This is where we get the word Caesarean section. If you go look it up, it means to cut the womb. That's the cut of the Caesarea. Cut the womb. Caesarea is womb here, guys. Remember, it, it's got to be. It's, it's, he's not talking about all these strange ideas, just throwing things around flippantly. Like, again, imagine if you were in a conversation with a normal person going, I'm talking about, hey, sweet, it's about seven loaves, he's 4,000. Then I came to Caesarea Philippi. She'd be like, wait, what? It, what? Go back. What did you jump around? He's not jumping around. He's talking about the exact same thing. So Philippi. All right. Let's go look at it. Two sons of Herod the Great. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it. Literally, it means horse loving. I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's what it means at all. So the origin is from philos. You guys know what philos is. It's love, right? Intimacy, philos, and hippos, horses, horse loving. So we came to the womb of horse loving. Does that make any sense to anybody? You got to understand symbolism of scripture, guys. And this is where if you go to the Encyclopedia Biblica and go, what is a horse? And you'll find all this imagery. In Hebrew imagery, guys, horses were not workhorses. They weren't like um, oxen they, they would talk about. But horses were the mounts of kings, if you go look at it. 
This is the chariots of kings, the mounts of kings. And a horse, little in Hebrew, is this, this sus. It's semek vav. Vav is man, semek. And it means the, so picture a man on a horse. So this was the image that they would use. It was the supported man. The chariot of a god was horse. So here's what he's talking about. And then you'll see a lot of references in there, too. It talks about studying. Oh, hello. Okay, a womb and studying. And a king, remember, a king shall declare a thing, something that comes in the declaration of something that comes out of the mouth, the opening of the head, and it shall be established. Same idea here, guys. So he's talking about this. He says this. Salvation, Yahweh that saves, comes near, and you receive your portion in the womb that sustains kings. Supports King Sus, and he questions his disciples. Who do people say that the son of Anthropos is, the offspring of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Salvation asks? Who do you say I am? This is key right here, ego I made. I shared this with you a little bit. I am is the nature of God that will be for any Jason or generation. What you experience right now, guys, within is exactly what you're going to experience without, and it'll never change. It'll never change. You People say it as awareness, say it as consciousness, meaning that whatever you are paying attention to or beholding within you right now is exactly the life you're going to live, and that nature will never change. That is the nature I am. So the creation of God, who's Jesus is answering, what about you? What do you say that the, the offspring or the creation of Anthropos is, which is the human race? If you go look up Anthropos. Who do you say that everything that God creates, what is it? It's like your I amness. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter. So here's the, he answers the question. Simon Peter, Shimon Peter. Shimon is the one who hears. Peter, and it says rock, stone, Petra. But stone, guys, again, to the Hebrew was Eben. Eben, the offspring of oneness with God. That's stone. Remember, David flings five, the grace of God, stones, and that kills Goliath right in the temple, the forehead. So it's the smooth stone. It's a spiritual birth within man, the Eben, the oneness of the offspring of the oneness of God. And it's Aleph Ben Nun. Nun is the seed of 50. Ben is within the house, within you, is the power of God. That's the stone. It's a it's stone to Hebrew. So I understand what I hear within, Shimon, what I hear within is the seed of God. And it is the Christ, the anointing of God. And it creates the son, the offspring of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. Remember the only sign I'm going to show you is Jonah. What you do within will create. This is the sign that God is within you. That's what it says. We want to test to see if God, Jesus is in us. The sign will be Jonah, guys. You can, any of you can do this and you'll create. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. You and the Father are one, and the spiritual is heaven. What you do within will be a sign, because it will become. Now I tell you that you are Peter. You are this Eben. Uh, uh, and on this foundation, I will build ecclesia, what comes from the inside out. And the gates of Hades, not being able to see, will not prevail against this. Then he gives you, then he starts, this is the key of the kingdom of God. He tells you again right here. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then he tells you again, what you do within, what you are binding on earth. And I don't want to go through all the tenses because I've done this before, but it basically says this. 
what you are currently doing in heaven, binding is what you see yourself experiencing in the spirit realm within your mind and your imagination will be what you are bound to on earth. And whatever you are free from in your heavens right here, you'll never be free. You'll be free in physical. Now, then this last sentence is really strange. Then he admonished the disciples, don't tell anybody that he was the Christ. I've learned that if it doesn't make any sense, if, if how I was taught in Christianity was go tell everybody. But then he's saying, he admonished the disciples, don't tell anybody he was the Christ. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, this can't be what it says, in my opinion. Well, guess what? It's not. <laughs> so let's go look at it in interlinear. He admonished the disciples. All right. And again, I think it's just because when Strong's and everything came up, they were so immersed in Greek philosophy, guys. And Greeks were the literalists. They, the, they were completely, God was separate on a mountain from you somewhere. He's not in you. That was the farthest thing from their mind. He had, you had to create 40,000 religions to jump back into you. But he might jump out if you're not good. That's not anything. Don't tell anybody that he is the Christ. Doesn't fit anywhere. So I just think they, they interpret this stuff. and Like, what are you talking about? So let's go to verse 20 in the interlinear. So if some of you guys, how do you do this? So interlinear. So Matthew 16, <coughs> let's go to verse 20. And I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about here. All right. Then he instructed the disciples that to no one, they should say that he is the Christ. Let's go to this no one. So instructed, he gave a command, admonished, right? Um, instructed the learners, the disciples, that to no one. Let's look at this, because that's the one that's like, what? Don't tell anybody? All right. It, it does mean something. Not a possibility. A, literally not even one. But then we get no, none, or absolutely. Absolutely. Is one of the translations. When it's used with connection of a noun. Absolutely. So let's read it like this. This could mean Absolutely which I think is what, to, what they're trying to tell you. Because the, the very, he started out going, test to see if Jesus is in you. So wouldn't it make sense that, tell everybody that Jesus is in you, because he's telling you to test to see if you, you can prove to yourself that he's in you. And then at the bottom go, don't tell anybody that he's in you. It makes zero sense. Let's read it like this. Then he instructed absolutely that, or that absolutely they should say, answer, bring command, or say, that autos, self, is the Christ. Now, let's just read it like a normal. Then, after they proved that Christ is in you, he instructs the disciples that absolutely they should say that within yourself is the anointing of God. Now, hopefully that makes sense to some people. Because that's exactly what he's saying. And he's saying, Know ye not that Christ is in you, or you're not in the faith. Prove to yourself. Now, this is how simple it is. Exactly like the gymnast. She gives the two components right there, just like Dispenza and everybody you're talking about. My goal is to walk to prom in three, three weeks. Reality says no way. The top neurosurgeon at Mayo says, you might be able to move a finger. You might be able to move a toe. I don't care. This is what's going to happen anyway. She goes, I haven't learned how to feel. So she had a ghost. She goes, I saw myself running, jumping, flipping. 
So you see yourself right now, you quiet everything down, you close your eyes, you breathe if you need to. All that really, guys, is just to get you unaware of the physical realm because the spiritual realm is supposed to supplant the physical. This is to prove that Christ is in you. You just picture any desire you want. Like I said, it could be a, it could be a new house and you have no money in the bank. All things are possible to God. So you can simply see it within and feel yourself, like literally feel yourself walking through the house, feel yourself opening the door, feel yourself putting the coffee on and smelling the coffee in the morning. That is the seed of God. That's a declaration that what you've just done within you, when it starts to feel real, you're just in your imagination, you're just sitting there and it starts to bubble up and go, feels so awesome. Where you kind of get lost in your thoughts. You're just imagining it as if it's real. You're going through it as if it's real. You're, you're physically feeling what it feels like. In the gymnast case, it was to jump, flip, things like that. But whatever your desire is, let's just use the, uh, well, let me, I'll just share this one. This, because this was the coffee one. I forgot. I shared this on the fellowship the other night. But when I was a, a, a real engineer, my wife and I were engineers. I was an aeronautical engineer and she was a mechanical engineer. I wanted to, I wanted to make enough money to never work for another man and live out of my house. That was my goal. <laughs> so why? Cause that's a potential. That's a possibility. Now my professors didn't tell me that was a possibility, but I knew it was a possibility. If I'm the heir of the world, then come on, that's one possibility. So Barb, she got me a picture. I don't know wherever you ever found it, but we can't find it. It's in some magazine and somehow I gave it away at some meeting. So if you ever have this, please give it to me or at least make a burn a copy and send it to me. I won't blame you for taking it. But it was a single cup of coffee with steam rising out of it. And it said, imagine a stress-free day. And so I would drive off to Peterson Air Force Base to work. And everybody would ask me, like, what, what's with that? You know? And I was like, oh, this is a personal goal of mine. Just like walking to prom. And so I would get there. And if it was traffic and whatever, I would rest myself for the first five minutes probably. I would close my eyes and I would imagine sitting on my couch with my wife with a cup of coffee. And I would, I would, I would taste it in my mouth, in my imagination. I would smell it in my mouth, in my nose, in my imagination. And I would verbalize this. I would look over to my wife and go, what do you want to do today? Because in my mind, that image that I was free. I, I wasn't confined to having to make money. Money effortlessly came to us. And how long has that been now? I don't know how long that is since. Mm -hmm. 21 years for me. It's literally been my reality for 21 years, guys. That is proving that Christ is in you. You can do it with anything. Simply have a desire and imagine it within you as if it's real till you start to smell it, you start to feel it in your imagination where it just starts to feel real. That is the declaration of God. That is proving that Jesus Christ is in you, the Pharisee and the Sadducee, the Parash Sedek. What you do within in this holiest of holies, guys, is the weight of God, Sedek. It's the glory of God. And it's just a matter of time. It'll show up in your physical world. That's the whole thing. That's proving Christ is in you. Hopefully that helps, guys. God